Good morning, church family. <clears throat> I need you to take your feet and kind of tuck them in under the pew in front of you right now. All right? Just a little heads up. That's all I'm going to say. Um, turn with me to John chapter 13. We have moved on to a new chapter. If you've been with us uh, this whole time, we're working through the book of John. Uh, now we get to uh, chapter 13, and basically chapter 13 to 17 is Jesus and his disciples. Um, we're going to have the Last Supper. They're hanging out a lot together. It's a lot of the conversation of Jesus with his disciples, kind of a behind-the-scenes. Um, I enjoy, you know, a decent NFL game, other sports games, but I really like when they mic the players. You know, they're mic'd up, and you can hear what's going on in the huddle, on the field, the encouraging more, the words, some other words you're probably not supposed to hear. Um, but it's kind of cool to get it kind of an inside look at what's going on during the play, what's going on on the field. And John has kind of given us this kind of uh, opportunity for Jesus to be mic'd up, if you will, where we get to be a part of the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples uh, and taking a look at uh, his encouraging words to them, his, his teaching them, and basically saying, look, guys, I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. Then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to ascend to the Father, uh, preparing you for all this. By the way, when I'm gone, it's up to you guys. It's up to you guys to get the word out. It's up to you guys to take what I've taught you to live your light, to live your life out um, as my disciple, to live for the glory of God in what you're doing. And then we, we see then uh, that the gospel multiplies around the world. Uh, and so here's this conversation. And in fact, in chapters 13 to 17, during this time, the word world is used 40 times. Um, so there's this preparation, not only of like Jesus coming, uh, we get to hear from him, and then he leaves us. It's that, no, he is preparing us uh, to then be his disciples, to live this life out, uh, our faith out to this world. So read with me John 13, verses 1 through 20, um, as we kind of get behind-the-scenes look at Jesus and his disciples and how all of that applies to us. <clears throat> so John 13, verses 1 through 20. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who, he, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, 
Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. For you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you, for I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. Whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Uh, So we take a look at the scene of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Which, by the way, I'm not going to come wash your feet. I just realized that I told you to kind of tuck your feet up under the pew. There's not a little sprinkler system under the pews to get your feet washed. All right. Just as a heads up. But we're going to have a few toes stepping on as we get deeper into into what this passage is sharing with us. Um, So we have Jesus talking to his disciples. These are the group of guys that are all in. Um, And we've shared this over the last few weeks about kind of these three groups, if you will, that are reacting to Jesus. We have those who are all in, those who are saying, yes, I put my faith in you. I believe in who you are as a son of God, as Messiah, as Lord. I'm all in with you. I give you my life. Then there are those who are like, hey, cool, cool show, cool signs that you're doing. You know, but if it came down to it, it's like, eh, I, you know, I could, I don't need you in my life. And then there are those who flat out hate Jesus. They hate for, they hate who he is, what he claims to be. They are rejecting him absolutely and would prefer that he, that he be put to death. Uh, and so there's kind of these three groups. Imagine, if you will, you're showing up and there are three lines to get into. Okay, we're going to take a, a look at what it, it, what it means to kind of get in line to be a disciple. Okay, if you're in the disciple line, which I pray all of you are, if you're not, please come and talk to me. Talk to someone about what it means for Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. But if you're kind of getting in line, you're in the disciple line, right? And imagine up front are the, the disciples that we're talking about, uh, which... I mean, growing up, not even growing up, even recently, I sit there and keep thinking, man, how amazing would that have been to be face-to-face with Jesus? To be there, to hear these words, to see all that he has done, uh, to truly be his, one of his disciples, you know, in this context. And it's like, man, my faith would be phenomenal. But here's the thing. Here's the amazing thing about our relationship with God, the access that we have to the Father— through what Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit, is if you choose that group, that line to be a, a disciple, you're in the same group as all these these disciples that we're talking about. Isn't that amazing? Yes, they they went, uh, they were first. They kind of plowed the way, if you will. Um, it's similar to the Marines. Okay, you, our Marines are the first to fight for right and freedom. Uh, they're the, they're the front line. My son Cameron's a Marine, and they're the first to be there to prepare. Now, a crazy story is when he was looking at or telling Carrie and I that he wanted to be a Marine, he thought we were going to freak out, you know, of all the branches, why choose the Marines? And, 
military at all, and we were very excited. And then he said, yeah, I want to be a combat engineer. Well, that sounds nice, you know. Engineers are creative, and they get to build things, and he's sharing with Carrie. Yeah, we build bridges, and we build things that the villages would need. Baloney. I looked up combat engineer. They blow things up. Like, they are, they're getting the Marines to where they need to be by clearing a path, by... Yes, they, they'll they build bridges. They do learn how to build structures and all this stuff. But it's really about blowing... Like, I've got pictures of him holding explosives. Um, so here's this picture, if you will, of Jesus with the first set of disciples that we're like, man, that would be amazing. Um, but he's preparing them to be that that that, that first group to share uh, the gospel, to be that light in the dark when he is gone, when he ascends. And we understand that, that to be a disciple, there are four things that I want to share about this morning. Uh, and the first is being a disciple means that we are loved by Jesus. Um, and we could hang out here the rest of the morning. Uh, and to be loved by Jesus, look at verse 1. It says that he loved them to the end. Okay, to the end, to completion. Love them all the way to the end. Um, it can also mean to the fullest extent. So imagine not just length to the end, but depth. How deep and how wide is the love of God? Here is, here is Christ loving us to the end. Uh, if you are his disciple, he loves you. He loves us. Um, some of you have had to love till the end. Some of you have lost a spouse, and you love to the very, very end of your time together on this earth with your spouse. Uh, through sickness and health, that's a vow that usually you make. It's a lot more difficult when it's bad health, when you're dealing with a situation that you have to love someone to the end. How much greater is the love that Jesus has for us in all of our mess and chaos and things that we are doing and stupid decisions that we're making that he loves us all the way to the end, absolutely. It's not a halfway love. It's not a convenience. You know, when Jesus kind of gets tired of us, it's not um, conditional. The love of Jesus loves us to the end. Uh, I found a quote from a kid's Bible that described the love of God, and this nails it perfectly. God's love is a never-stopping, never-failing, always-and-forever love. Um, Jesus loves us. Uh, as disciples, he loves us to the end. Um, when we start looking at what is required of us to be a disciple, to know that he loves us first and foremost, that's enough, really, right? It's not going to be easy, but that's enough. Uh, and we start and understand how much God loves us. So John has kind of set up the scene. Okay, we're talking about this love of Jesus. And then look at verse 3 uh, through 5. Uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This is an amazing moment. This is an act that Jesus does that is reserved for those who are the lowest of the servants, a slave, to wash the, the feet of those who come to enjoy a meal. And here now Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God, that is washing the, the disciples' feet. 
It's Jesus who humbled himself to this lowest spot in this act of love. And being a disciple means that we are not only loved all the way, that Jesus is willing to do anything for us, to wash our feet. By the way, a more ultimate sacrifice and service of dying on the cross and then to rise again. So here's how much Jesus loves us, the depth and the length that Jesus loves us as disciples. And then also, number two, being a disciple means that we are served by Jesus. Now, hold on a second. This is completely upside down, counterintuitive. Okay, if, Ju- if Jesus is our Lord and Master, shouldn't we be serving him? Right? At, like, of course, we look all through Scripture, and God continues to flip things upside down on its head. Jesus himself in verse 16, we read, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master. So Jesus, his own words, John the Baptist um, when he knew that Jesus was coming, in comparison, said, Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. So how is Jesus now washing the disciples' feet, this complete reversal? But here's the thing. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be loved by him, to receive him as Lord and Savior, we have to be served by him. And religion... Typically, is we come to worship. Do we come to give? It's us serving God. It's us giving our worship to God. It's us praising God. It's us doing all these good things for God. But yet, here is this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, um, our Savior. It's a relationship where, as a disciple, it's allowing Jesus to serve. Uh, and we see Peter's kind of struggle with this. Uh, in verse 6 through 8, he, comes to, or he came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus said, what I am doing you do not understand now. Yeah, um, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And how does Jesus reply? He says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And that word share is an inheritance. Uh, it is what we are going to receive, this portion of an inheritance of eternal life, this access to the Father, this relationship that we have with Jesus. And he's basically saying, unless you are clean, unless you are forgiven, you are not going to have this relationship with me. You will not have uh, eternal life in heaven. And we see this in 1 John 1, nine, and I'll just read this to you. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is, it is Jesus who can only wash us through his shed blood to give us access not only to the Father, but to eternal life, our inheritance. So Jesus is telling Peter, you, you, without me, you won't be washed. You won't be clean. You won't be forgiven. And so it's deeper than just me washing your feet. Uh, so Peter kind of maybe understands a little bit more and responds with, Hey, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Like, give me a triple share. If you're giving me this stuff, like, give me more. Uh, Wash everything. And Jesus is trying to say, you already have everything. Um, This is all who I am and and what I'm giving you, and that is eternal life, salvation through me, uh, forgiveness of sin by my shed blood. Uh, And so here's this picture of grace and love, that there is nothing that we can do to deserve any of it. There's nothing that we can do to lose it. 
Um, it is all Jesus. It is all what he has given us. Nothing that we can add to that. And our salvation is based on us letting Jesus serve us. Turn with me to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. It will be on the screen. But Philippians 2, 5 through 8 gives us a picture of what was required of Jesus for our sins forgiven, for our uh, cleansing of our life and giving us eternal life. So Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So now we see the humbleness of Christ. We see what it took for him to go to the cross. And this the complete amazing sacrifice and service that we receive from Jesus. And so him washing our feet is one that we need to be willing to receive and understand the forgiveness of sins that we have in him. And then number three, being a disciple means that we are to serve like Jesus. Well, now you can tuck your toes under. Because here's this ultimate humbleness, humble state that Jesus is in. And he's saying, you need to do the same thing that I'm doing. So read with me verses 12 through 17, back in John 13. And it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So here Jesus is saying, okay, I have served you. Now you need to do what I have done and go and serve others. So being a disciple means we are to serve like Jesus. Um, and to understand it starts with the love of Jesus uh, continue by being cleaned by Jesus, and then he calls us to love like he does. In verse 15, it says, For I have given you an example. Uh, so Jesus has laid it out physically. He's explained to us spiritually. And, and an example, he's, he's given us steps. He's given us an illustration. Uh, there are some amazing things, by the way, that when you pull up YouTube, give you, gives you some step-by-step instruction. Um, I've done, I'm not a, an amazing cook. My boys are. Carrie is. But I've, I've been creative enough with YouTube. Um, by the way, because I just did, did this last night, and I think it was the brand, <clears throat> but I went for frozen broccoli in the air fryer, because usually I go fresh, which is way better. But yeah, it was an epic fail. Carrie didn't like it. The dogs didn't like it. Um, so there are some steps, you know, that you can find on YouTube. There's, there's, and I watched the video, some lady Single mom built a house watching YouTube videos. Got everything together. Um, so yes, there are some amazing things that if you want to know how to do something, there are some step-by-steps, patterns, videos, all over YouTube. But here Jesus is saying, I have given you an example. I have shown you the very uh, posture of a servant by washing your feet, and I need you to do likewise. 
so here comes the hard part. Um, if we are to serve like Jesus, it's not easy. Uh, verse 14 says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Uh, and now if Jesus has said, I have washed your feet, now come and wash my feet, right? The disciples would have been clamoring like, I, I want to be first to wash Jesus' feet. I'd, I'd wash Jesus' feet in a heartbeat, right? But Jesus says, you need to wash each other's feet. You need to be willing to, to do to, for others what I've done for you. Now seriously, there are some people, I am not touching their feet, okay? Um, and I, and I hope I come across as a nice person, a nice human being, you know, smiles and, and trying to help each other, you know, help people out. <clears throat> but I have to tell you, and I have to admit, growing up, I have two younger brothers. Um, I was not that nice to my younger brothers, I have to say. Uh, and isn't that true? When you've got family, when you've got siblings, I mean, you're, you're usually buttonheads, but then you, you go out into the world and you're nice to people. Um, Jesus is like, you need to be willing to, to wash everyone's feet. Uh, and understanding that there, that's going to be very difficult. Now, if I love you, I'm going to wash your feet. All right? If I had an opportunity to wash Jesus' feet, oh my goodness, would that not be a phenomenal thing for us to have the opportunity to do, to wash the feet of Jesus? Uh, that, yes, I'm all in. Carrie, absolutely. I've painted her toenails. Um, I will wash her feet all the time. Tyler, Ryan, Cameron, absolutely. After that, it gets a little, like, iffy. You know what I mean? I love all of you. I've told you that. I mean it from the depths of my heart. But I don't know if I'm going to wash your feet. Um, Maybe if you pre-washed, right? (laughs) Pre-washed, I get a little, you know, spray thing. Squirt, squirt, squirt. I got your feet, Right? It's, it gets harder, right? It gets harder the farther down the list that we go to wash someone else's feet. Um, turn with me now to back to Philippians 2, and we're going to go a couple of verses before what I read. This is Philippians 2, 3 and 4, because here's a situation that Christ is trying to set up for us, that Jesus is giving, is it takes humility. It takes being humble. So Philippians 2... Verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, that each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, it's humility. You may not ever have to wash anyone else's feet. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But but it's, it's a state of humility. Are you willing to put anyone else's needs above your own? And that's super hard, even with people I like, right? But, but then it gets worse. I'm sorry. I mean, it's in, it's in here. Um, because if we are to serve like Jesus, serving our enemies is even more difficult. Because who's in that room with Jesus? Who's with these disciples? But Judas. Look at verse 2. It says, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So then Jesus gets up, prepares to wash the disciples' feet, because this is verse 3. All the disciples' feet, even Judas. Okay? He didn't hesitate. Now, I, I, I would have messed up. 
You know what I mean? I try to keep a straight face if my emotions are, are kind of running high. I don't think I do a great job. Does anyone else know anyone that their, their thoughts just kind of explode out of their face? You know what I mean? Like you can read them like a book. If I knew what Jesus, Judas was going to do and it's coming soon and I've got to wash his feet, I don't know if I could keep that loving smile, you know, while I'm trying to get in between his toes and whatever. But here's this picture of, of serving our enemies is so much more difficult. He still washed the feet of Judas uh, in that room. And again, if I start going down this list of people whose feet I would have to wash, there are some I don't want anyone, I don't even want to be in the same room with, with certain people. I don't even want to say hi to them. If I see them on the street, I'd rather turn around and go another way. But yet Jesus is calling me to be able to wash if I'm to to be set the example that Jesus is set and Jesus is washing Judas' feet and now I've got to wash, be potentially humble enough to love on someone and serve someone who I hate. Now, now we're talking that some difficult stuff that Jesus is calling us to do. And it's super hard, very hard to love our enemies. Turn with me to Matthew 5, verses 43 to 46. And it will be on the screen. But Matthew 5, 43 to 46. And my little subheading says, love your enemies. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends a rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, do not even the tax collectors have, do the same? Is it easy to love those that we love? Absolutely. It's so much easier to love the lovable. It is almost impossible to love those who we hate, who we disagree with. Here's Jesus knowing that what Judas is going to do, yet still washes and serves Judas. Um, a friend of mine gave me a quote in between services, and it's like a good kind of guide to see how uh, how strong your faith is and what your Christian abil- your Christian ability to be humble enough to serve those is this. Uh, it's one thing to be able to love Jesus, all right? But are you also willing to love Judas? Okay? Yeah, I'm going to love Jesus. I'm all in. But now Jesus has called us to love the Judases in our life. Are we ready to go there? Are we ready to absolutely humble ourselves enough to be that servant? And it's, it's, it's difficult, okay? And it's, we are to do it the rest of our lives. Um, we are to continually look at opportunities that we have to serve others. Um, because being a servant is always. And wouldn't that be nice? Verse 16 says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Okay, so we know Jesus is Lord and King, but now he's called us to be a servant, right? The lowest of the... Isn't there like some mid-level management? Like, you know, can I kind of work my way up to not have to do the feet washing thing all the time? No, it's weird to always be in that position. Look at verse 17. 
Uh, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Uh, and here's the word do in the Greek is a present tense. Uh, it is continual. Okay? It's not saying, if you know these sayings, blessed are you if you did them, or might do them, or plan to do them. No, do them. Okay? We don't get a checklist to complete. And once we hit the completion of, of all of our check marks, we get a servant for life button. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? I don't have to wash anyone's feet. I don't have to be nice. I don't have to humble myself. No, we are called to serve always, serve continually, always looking for putting opportunities to put others ahead of us. And can I tell you, it gets tiring. It's exhausting to do that. Am I right? It's exhausting to continue to serve. Um, We are in desperate need of of different places around church to serve. Um, we continually need to need children's and preschool workers, uh, different volunteers for this and that and the other. <clears throat> we need help. And I need some of us to, to arrive to church and think, hey, what can I do? What can I give? Okay, And I know, and I do this every week. It's like, all right, God, I've had a rough week. I really need you to give me something. Like, what can I get out of service this morning? The songs better be right. Okay, John better pick out some good stuff. And Troy, choir anthem better be on point. Uh, Bible study teacher better be, you know, making me happy. And let's, let's have some encouraging words. Pastor Randy better not be boring. You know what I mean? Like, what can I get? What can I get out of Sunday morning? No. How about this? That we show up and say, all right, God, what can I give? Who can I give to? Right? By the way... This is phenomenal in any other relationship. Some of us are going to work tomorrow. Oh, I better get a good, I better have a good day, right? What am I going to get out of this? What if we show up and say, what can I give to whoever? What can I give towards work? By the way, super secret, amazing truth in marriage. How many of you sitting there thinking, man, Carrie owes me this. I did this for her. You know, I, I did five things for her, and I didn't even get one thing back. I've been there. She knows. But you know what switched for me is when I sat there and think, man, what can I give her? What can I give her? Nothing in return. And it, is, it changes things. How much greater is our faith if in any situation, whether at church, work, home, school, wherever we're going, what can I give? What can I, how in an attitude of service can I serve others emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever it takes? It's hard because we are selfish human beings and we want to be fed. Can I tell you, God's going to take that and you are going to experience who he is in your life. And, And the times that I sat there and thought, well, you know, I need to give more to Carrie. Do you know that I got more back? Maybe not a direct act from Carrie, but man, when we give, God's going to bless that back in our life. God is going, there's going to be, and let me tell you this. If you are trying to discover God's will for your life, if you are lost, you don't know what to do, do you know that serving others in everything that you can do is an act of obedience and the will of God for our life in everything Okay, he's placed us in different jobs and families and whatever. But if you are serving others in the name of Jesus, you are closer to his will 
than almost any other time because we are putting others in front of ourselves and we are doing it in the name of Jesus and of love. And so, yes, it is hard. It is difficult to wash other people's feet, to be a servant, especially to love our enemies. Um, and, of course, Jesus gave us an example, right? He gets to do it. He's God, right? Fully God, fully man. It had to have been a little easier for him. Well, I doubt that because we see and we're going to see the angst of the cross coming. But here's the thing. What if we could tap in a little bit of what Jesus has as fully God for us to be able to serve others, to wash others' feet, to love others, to humble ourselves? And guess what? We have access to that. Um, we get to... Uh, we have the, the strength given to us, uh, the power given to us by God to be able to do all this. Because I am sure a lot of us have gone to different scenarios in our, in our mind of, man, I really need to be better about this situation to serve others. Well, we have the capacity to do it, and it is because of Jesus. So my last point is being a disciple means we serve because of Jesus. Look at verse 20. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. Whoever receives me receives the one I, who sent me. So Jesus said, when we go out into this world and we are, we are his messenger, that as we live and humble ourselves and serve others in the name of Jesus, that they are going to see Jesus and some will receive him. And by the way, when you get Jesus, you get the Father. Uh, and so we have kind of been commissioned by God to serve others in Jesus' name. And this parallels John 20, verse 21. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So we ought to be able to follow Jesus' example of washing feet, of serving others, of humbling ourselves with others because of Jesus our only chance to love like Jesus is because of Jesus and what he's done for us. And I'm going to close with this list of kind of just a sampling, if you will, of what we have received in our belief, in our faith, because of Jesus. We are a child of God. We are a friend of Jesus. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are a new creation in Christ. We are not condemned by God. We are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Why? Because of Jesus. We are chosen, holy, and blameless before God. We are made alive with Christ. We are God's workmanship, created to do good works. We have access to the Father. We are citizens of heaven. God supplies all of our needs. We are made complete in Christ Jesus. Why? Because of him. This is why we can serve others. If we tried on our own, epic failure right here. But because of Jesus in us, Christ in us, we have the opportunity to love others in his name. And all because of Jesus, his grace, his mercy, and his love. His love, which by the way, never ends. And so with this, we have the the freedom to love others because of who he is. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning as we continue to work through this book. But Father, even today, as we see Jesus' example of the love that he has for us, for the sacrifice on the cross that he gave for us, Father, for the, the, the 
commissioning for our, our mission ahead of us to love others in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing all of this for us. And may you be glorified as we continue to live our life out for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.